Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the program. My name is William Hemsworth. It's great to be with you all for this episode. We have a very special guest today, Father Frank Pavone. He's one of the most prominent pro-life leaders in the world. He's originally from New York, and he was ordained in 1988 by Cardinal John O'Connor, and since 1993 has served full-time in pro-life leadership and his bishop's permission. He is the National Director of Priests for Life, the largest pro-life ministry in the Catholic Church, He's also the president of the National Pro-Life Religious Council and the National Pastoral Director of the Silent No More Awareness Campaign and of Rachel's Vineyard, the world's largest ministry of healing after abortion. He travels throughout the country preaching and teaching against abortion, and he regularly produces programs for religious and secular radio and television networks. And he was asked by Mother Teresa to speak in India on pro-life issues. He's the author of four books, uh, Ending Abortion, Not Just Fighting It, Pro-Life Reflections for Every Day, Abolishing Abortion, and Proclaiming the Message of Life. Father, thanks for coming on the program. How are you doing today? Oh, doing great, Bill. Thanks for having me on. It's, it's good to be with you and with uh, your audience. Uh, pleasure is all mine. I'm a big fan of your work. I th- thank you for all you do, and I know my audience does as well. Uh, thank Father, you. Father, I guess maybe can you start with maybe telling us how you got started with Priests for Life and maybe how that whole process uh, started with the ministry? Yes, you know, I was in high school and I went to public schools and it was in my senior year that I really got interested at the same time, both in the pro-life movement and in the priesthood. I kind of rediscovered my faith. I I had not really been away from it, but, you know, we can all... uh, Uh, grow deeper in it. And I just sort of just had this thirst for getting more involved in in going to church and scripture and helping out at the church in whatever way I could. And uh, at the same time, I went to the March for Life in Washington, D.C., as I'm sure many of our our viewers have done. And I was there. I was, like I say, a high school senior. and, and, And that really impacted me and woke me up, if you will, to the reality of abortion and of the pro-life movement. Ever since then, I I consider it as two aspects of my vocation, the the priestly calling and the pro-life calling, Uh, and they grew together and they they, uh, grew each, uh, each year after that. I got ordained as a priest in 1988, but then as I was serving in the parish and I was doing an increasing amount of 
work with the pro-life movement, I came to the point after a few years where I was convinced in conscience that I had to give all my time and energy to fighting abortion and, and, and protecting the unborn. It was so strong. It was like a call within a call. So I went to my bishop, who at that time was also very passionate about pro-life, Cardinal John O'Connor of New York, and he gave me, at my request, permission to devote my whole ministry to ending abortion as the first director of this movement that had just started called Priests for Life. So it was all providential, you know, in the timing and in in being in the right place at the right time and God giving me that passion. So I took over Priests for Life in 1993. And since then, it has grown, uh, as you said, to become the the largest pro-life organization within the, the Catholic community. What are some what are some things that Priests for Life does to bring awareness and to fight abortion? First of all, we uh, we educate and we educate both the clergy by means of seminars and, and trainings and one on one consultation and visits to churches, but also everybody else and not just Catholics. We want to help anyone and everyone that wants to fight abortion to know what to do, to keep up on the issue itself in all its many dimensions and also to know what they can do. So we do training seminars. We have a team that we call our pastoral team of about a dozen people who some are priests, some are are, are laypersons, uh, men and women alike. Uh, we have some psychologists on on the team and, and educators and so forth, and uh, and they travel and they speak and they train. Then we do a lot of broadcasting, TV, radio, internet broadcasting. We do uh, a lot of work with healing after abortion. And uh, in fact, under our family of ministries is Rachel's Vineyard, the largest ministry in the world for that purpose of healing the wounds of abortion. We do a lot of that. We do a lot of political work. Uh, we, you know, in order to protect the unborn, we have to have the right kind of laws. To have the right kind of laws, you have to have the right kind of lawmakers. It's it's uh, it's a very simple formula, and so we urge people and we help people to get politically active, to get out there and to vote pro-life. We work in the international arena, helping legislators from other countries to fight the battle uh, over there in uh, in their part of the of the world. Although United States has the worst uh, policy on abortion. Uh, among a handful of nations that allow it throughout pregnancy, and um, and 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 these are some of uh, these are some of our activities. A multifaceted ministry, as you can see, and uh, it covers really all the different avenues of um, the pro-life effort. Now, Father, I remember some of the bishops saying that abortion really shouldn't be the preeminent issue, and of course, other bishops like Bishop Strickland totally disagrees with that. Why is that? Why is it such a preeminent issue? Why should we focus on it? You know, I always say that it's the preeminent issue and not because we want it to be, uh, but for two reasons. Uh, First of all, in and of itself, you look at the arithmetic and the logic, the arithmetic. Nothing takes more human life than abortion. Nothing at all. It's the leading cause of death in the United States and in the world. And secondly, the logic life is is the foundation for every other right. You take away a person's life. You've taken away their education, 
health care, right to vote, right to work, right to immigrate. In other words, all the other rights that we rightfully work for are destroyed when you destroy the right to life. So the arithmetic and the logic say, wait a minute, this is you got to start here. You got to start with the most fundamental uh, thing. And then there's another reason why uh, it's the preeminent issue and needs to be for us. And that is that it's the preeminent issue for the other side. In other words, when you look at the the promoters of abortion and when you look at the promoters of it within, whether it's within the political arena or in uh, any other arena, they are the ones putting the focus on the unborn child. When Roe versus Wade was handed down in 1973, it took away the right to life, not for teenagers, not for adults not for the elderly, but for one group of people, it targeted them. And those were the children in the womb. So, you know, it's a logical uh, conclusion to come to that, you know, when you want to defend life, you start by defending the ones who are most in need of help. And, and, And it's the other side that has targeted for one reason or another, they've targeted the unborn. And, you know, the, the, our political opponents, for example, they obsess about abortion. You know, whether they whether we're talking about in the United States Congress or in the United Nations, when you see any topic come up, it could be the environment, it could be uh, 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 education, uh, certainly health care. The, the other side is always trying to insert abortion into each and every one of those arenas. And for them, it's like a sacred dogma and it is an obsession. So they're so obsessed with killing these babies. Well, we're not going to be any less intent on saving them. Father, do you notice a shift among, I'll call them the pro-choice crowd with abortion to where maybe they go after other types of life later on? Yes, and it's inherent in the in the so-called logic of abortion, because what it's doing is putting choice above life uh, it is this philosophy that, uh, well, you know, it's up to me. Yeah, I know it's it's killing of a human life, but it's my choice. It's my body. It's my right. Well, if if a, if a mother has the so-called right to choose to kill her innocent, unwanted child, well, then why doesn't the child have the right to choose to kill his innocent, unwanted mother. And you see what hap- this happening with euthanasia, the so-called right to die and, and, and assist- yeah. suicide and so forth. It, it's, a, it's a deadly logic. When you, when you break the principle of the right to life, at any point in the spectrum, you've broken it for everybody. Because now, all of a sudden, life is disposable and negotiable. And John Paul II, uh, in his many writings on this topic, pointed out the very same thing. You, either, either we're all protected or we're all in danger. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Tony, read more on that. Now, you mentioned a moment ago the importance of having the right lawmakers. And I see the picture behind you of uh, President Trump. Yes. I remember... You were on the Terry and Jesse show, and you you said that he's the most pro-life president we've ever had. Yes. What made him that? What policies did he enact? And how are those actually being overturned now by our current president? Well, one of the big areas where where people in in his position, as he was uh, the president, can do is in the area of funding. Now, a president can't do everything uh, there because a lot of it does depend on Congress, but he can urge Congress to go in the right direction and sign the right legislation that that takes money away from the abortion industry or veto any legislation that puts more money into it. This is one of the most measurable and visible areas of the battle. 
As soon as President Trump took office, he began cutting off funds from the abortion industry, both domestically and internationally. And he did so even more than past pro-life presidents. I mean, Ronald Reagan, George, uh, George Bush, George W. Bush, they were pro-life. But President Trump did even more. For example, when he put back the protections of uh, our taxpayer dollars from funding abortion overseas, he not only reinstated it for those government policies where it applied before, but he expanded it to apply across all of government and things like that. Um, he is uh, so so the funding area. And right now, as you said, those things are being overturned because exactly the opposite is being done. Uh, Joe Biden uh, took away those restrictions in as much as is in the in the in the power of the president to do. He took away those those restrictions on taxpayer funded abortion. Uh, and then furthermore, he has uh, urged Congress to uh, to do its job as well of uh pouring more money into the abortion industry, which is exactly what they did for the first time ever uh, in the last uh, uh, 40, almost 50 years. Uh, they they did away with what's called the Hyde Amendment, which, uh, again, is a measure that protects our taxpayer dollars, Medicaid dollars from going for abortion and has saved over these decades two and a half million lives. Wow. And for some reason, the Democrat Party wants to and they even put it in their platform that they wanted to get rid of the Hyde Amendment. And it's like not only do they want unrestricted abortion, they want us to pay for it. And most Americans are against both of those things. They're against unrestricted abortion. And they're certainly even more against uh, the idea that somebody else should pay for it. Right. Father, do you know the percentage offhand of how many people are actually against that? Yes. Uh, when you talk about, for example, the international arena that I mentioned, money going overseas, it's about polling indicates recently about like 77, 75, 77 oh, wow. percent okay. of Americans being against it. When you talk about domestically, it, it's up around 60 percent uh, saying strongly that they uh, they do not want that. And yet our representatives go against the will of the people, right? Well, like. and, you know, and, and, and if you break those statistics down, that's right. Even the the, the pro-abortion politicians that, um, you know, the, 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 the Democrat Party is, is just has become completely aligned with the abortion industry. But those that say we don't want taxpayer funded abortion, you're talking about approximately a third of the people who identify as Democrats and a third of the people identify as pro-choice. So even the folks that are on the other side of this uh, from us politically and and uh, and morally still don't want to be forced to, to pay for somebody else's abortion. Father, what can we do as laity to help um, in the pro-life movement? You know, there are so many things. Uh, we have a special website, as, as a matter of fact, called 10 Steps to End Abortion dot uh, uh, org. And uh, uh, you can use the word 10 or the number, uh, the number 10. And uh, we identify and then there's simple things that everybody can do. For example, of course, we start as believers, we start with prayer. And we have many prayer campaigns that people can take part in. Prayercampaign.org is another one of our uh, websites. Besides prayer, then the next step is we need to educate ourselves. 
I recommend to people read at least one good book about abortion or the pro-life movement each year. And uh, if you can, more than that, um, we our team, I myself, as you already mentioned in introducing me and my team have written a number of, of, of books on abortion. Many, many other books are out there that are very inspiring and helpful. Uh, and people can find those all on websites like like ours. Then, you know, two simple Two simple things that really empower people in this pro-life movement. Number one is to know what to say to somebody who is thinking of having an abortion uh, and needs an alternative. A lot of times they don't know that there's any alternative. They've been told by their friends and others around them, maybe by their doctor, oh, there's nothing you can do. You have to have an abortion. And yet, if you go to PregnancyCenters.org, you can enter in a zip code and find the pregnancy center nearest to that zip code where people are standing by every day, ready to give counseling assistance, uh, 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 help people find jobs that they can pursue while having the child education opportunities, medical and legal advice, all kinds of help. Pregnancycenters.org. People can save a life just by knowing that website and referring people to it. The other one is for those that have had abortions, we have a special website, abortionforgiveness.com. And abortionforgiveness.com works the same way. You put a zip code in there and you see that there are so many ministries, our own included, ready to help people find the peace, the healing, the forgiveness of Christ after an abortion. So for people to know those things and then look for ways to spread the word about it on social media uh, or go to your pastor and share this information and see if, if it can be put in the church bulletin on the church website. These are these are, are, are again some of the ways to speak up in the in the legislative and political arena. We spoke briefly about how you know Congress has been putting more money into the abortion industry. They vote on these things. They need to hear from their constituents. If we do not believe that our money should be used to pay for someone else's abortion, we we need to make that phone call to our representative, to our two U.S. senators. Uh, We need to be talking to our state legislators as well. And again, we have guidance that we give people when these votes are about to occur and what message to give to our legislators. We have a website called Stop Abortion Now org and people can sign up to get alerts that will tell them vote coming up next week call your senators today and we'll give them the exact we'll give them the explanation of what's you know what's going on in the congress and then the we'll give them the the, the message to convey once they get on that phone a lot of activity on the state level states are passing all kinds of pro-life laws so get to know who your state lawmaker is and communicate with them as well. These, again, are things everyone can do when it comes to election time. Get involved. Make sure you're educating and mobilizing other voters. And then another simple thing that some people may want to do is to take part in these prayer vigils at the abortion facilities. Some people may be afraid to do that. There's no need to be afraid. Uh, Many of these vigils are led by local priests. Uh, It involves familiar activities, reading the scriptures, praying the rosary. You know, there's there's safety in numbers. You know, you've got a group of people there. Everything is done according to the to the uh, the law. You're within your First Amendment rights. But it's we know it saves lives. 
when people are gathered there in front of these places where the babies are actually being killed, uh, it's a sign. It's a sign to the community. It's a sign to those young moms and dads that are going there for the abortion that, hey, wait a minute, there's other people not only who oppose this, these people are ready to help you. Uh, so to get involved in those kinds of activities is another simple, easy step. Uh, people are not going to be asked to, you know, uh, get out there and debate the issue or anything. You just stand there and pray. But you're a living witness to the right. lives that you want to save. Yeah, I know from what I hear, that's a big thing of what happened here in Tucson. Recently, our Planned Parenthood is closed until further notice, whatever that means. Wow. And I have a... Um, a Baptist friend of mine, he's a pastor and they go out there every Saturday praying and they say every Saturday, it was just more and more people. So that may have had something to do with it. So thanks be to God. (laughs) Praise God. That's right. Now, father, well, how can, how can we support those who have had an abortion? Yes. We have to let them know that they're not alone and that we don't condemn them. Uh, And we can do this simply. It might be in conversation that we're having with someone. It might be in spreading the word. If, if, if we have social media accounts, you know, we put little messages out there, but show in whatever way uh, to show in whatever way we can to those around us that we're people of compassion. We who reject abortion do not reject those who have abortions. Instead, we reach out to them with the mercy and forgiveness of Christ. So what we need to help them understand is, first, they're not alone. Uh, Second, we don't judge or condemn them. And third, healing is available. A lot of times these people feel like this is the unforgivable sin. They don't even want to think about it, much less talk to someone about it. And yet we have to gently help them realize that, like with anything else, the road to healing, involves facing what happened honestly and then seeking the help of others who can provide that help. And it involves, it does involve speaking about it, speaking about it in a confidential setting to somebody who can guide us through all the, the conflicted feelings and the emotions and there's anger and there's despair and their lack of self-esteem. And, and, and we can overcome those things on the journey of healing after abortion. So one of the one of the pieces of this puzzle, another campaign that we coordinate throughout the world is called Silent No More. And what that is is that people who have gone through this, have had abortions, have found healing, have gone through the journey, speak out. And they share their story. And the reason they share their story is that they want to encourage others to make that same journey of right. forgiveness, not to stay in despair. So if people go to silentnomore.com, they will see what this outreach is. But but most important, they will see the stories. You'll be able to read them, watch the videos, share them. And for people that have had abortions, if we encourage them just to go listen to some of these stories, they will hear from women who have done what they have done and worse and they will see how they've come to peace. I've even ministered a bill to people who have had as many as 25 abortions. Wow. And even they, having done this so many times, even they, when they repent of their sins, have been able to find this peace and healing that Jesus and uh, we, his church, so much want to give to them. Amen. Father, how could we support you and your ministry? Well, if people connect with us, you know, our website, we have a lot of different websites, uh, but the main website is actually endabortion.us. 
Uh, and at endabortion.us, people, whether you're Catholic or, you know, or not, uh, any denomination, any religion, we even have friends that support us who have no faith at all, but they want to stop the killing. So go to endabortion.us. You could sign up for our action items, like we said before, and you can support us in, in prayer and finances and activities and all the rest, just by spreading the word. That helps us a lot as well. Endabortion.us. We welcome your involvement. Great. Father, I thank you for your time today to talk about this vital topic. Um, I can't appreciate it enough. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> all right. God bless you, Father. God bless. This is Kevin O'Brien of EWTN's Theater of the Word. I'm excited also to teach middle school and high school literature, speech, and drama with homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. Your student can meet with me online for a live, interactive class. Whether you take apologetics with John Martinoni or grade school with Jackie De La Viaga or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, online Catholic learning for your homeschooling family is available for you.